Last few weeks, um, we as a parish have been kind of walking through Lent, um, walking through Holy Week, walking through the Triduum. Um, we've been going through a lot of different stuff. Um, if we reflect back on the Lenten experience, um, on Sundays we were doing a homily series, um, and it was a lot of preaching, and people were getting a lot of time off in purgatory because they were offering it up because they had 30-minute homilies every week. But um, we broke open a homily series of, of the, the, fun, the foundations and the background of the Mass that we celebrate. And I think it was a beautiful experience, and I heard a lot of good feedback over the last couple of weeks. On Thursdays, every Thursday night, we were doing Mercy Night, which is basically adoration, some music, confession available, and a little homilette, a little quick homily, a little reflection on one of the readings that we heard last night at our Easter Vigil. We had the book that we gave out at the beginning of Lent from Father Mark and just a, a Lenten companion to kind of walk day by day through the Lenten season. As we got into Holy Week, Father, Mark, I mean, Father Bruce uh, did three classes on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday on just how to pray and the foundations of prayer, kind of building off of a mission that we had early in Lent from Dr. Brant Petrie. And then these last couple of days of Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and now Easter Sunday have kind of been a culmination of all this preparation. I was talking to Father Bruce the other night and I said, I feel like we as a parish are coming off of a retreat. Like it feels like the last seven weeks have basically for our parish just been kind of a, a retreat where we've kind of walked together through a bunch of things, right? And now we come to Easter. That, that idea of walking from a coming from a retreat reminded me of like when I was in high school and I would go on retreats. Whether that would be my confirmation retreat, you might have gone on one when you were in high school, or a, uh, a, a tech retreat, or, or some kind of an axe retreat, or something like that. Like any retreat that we've gone on, different retreats, a lot of times, this is what ends up happening, is we're on the retreat, and we have these kind of experiences of God's grace. Somebody says something, somebody does something, there's a moment that like, wow, that makes sense. And that applies to my life. Like, even if it was like the one-day marriage prep day that the diocese used to do, the pre-cana day, that was kind of, that, that was just terrible. Usually there's at least one thing that you get from it that just like, wow, that, like, applies to me. And wow, that, that, that's, that's something I can take home with me. If it's a big kind of a retreat experience, if it's a good one, you're like, man, this is going to change my life. Like, this is going to change who I am and the way I act. And I remember so many times leaving from a retreat, and driving home and thinking, I'm never going to sin again. I'm never going to do anything wrong again. I'm never going to fight with my sister again. She knows that's a lie, right? I'm never going to say a curse word again. Everybody knows that's a lie. Like, I'm never going to do anything wrong ever again. It's not going to happen. I'm going to be perfect from here on out. Because I had this massive, beautiful experience of God. And it changed me. And I feel it. And it's going to be awesome. And the rest of my life is going to be different. And without a doubt, two weeks later, something happens that I realize, hey, I'm right back where I started. Like nothing changed. The retreat now, two weeks later, it's just a memory. Oh yeah, I remember whenever that person said that thing and it was really profound and 
That was all I got, and now it's just a distant memory. If we are walking from a retreat experience, if you will, of Lent, where maybe God really did speak, maybe God really did move in some way this Lent, maybe today is your first time that you start even caring about your relationship with God in any kind of profound way, and if that's you, praise God, like, welcome back, this is awesome. But the question is, is what changes when we encounter the living God? Because the reason why we're here to celebrate is the gospel that we just heard. The reason why we're here to celebrate this feast, this day, this morning, right now, is because 2,000 years ago, a man that was dead, that said he was God, rose from the dead. That Jesus Christ proclaimed he was God, sent by the Father. Our faith tells us this, that he is the Son of God. And he goes through every, exp every experience that we go through as a human being. And the only way that he could conquer death was to enter in through that doorway and rise from death. To show that Satan has no power over him or anybody that's like him, us human beings. And that we're set free from slavery to sin and death today. This is the pinnacle of what it means to be Christian. If we can't profess this today, then there's no reason to be here. In fact, in a few moments after the homily, we're going to renew our baptismal promises. And when we say the word I do to each invocation, the gates of hell shake in fear in hearing that a people believe what, we, what Jesus has said and what Jesus did. But a true encounter with God changes us. A true encounter with God has an effect on us. That we have a gift that is being bestowed upon us and given to each one of us in this church today. Whether it's your first time you've been here since COVID, it's your first time you've been here since your wedding, or it's the, you, the first time you've been here since last night. God is offering to each and every one of us this massive gift of redemption and freedom. The question is, are we willing to accept it? Jesus is looking at every one of us right now and is freely offering the gift of redemption and freedom. Are we willing to actually let it have an impact on our life? That when we leave the church today, we're different. That we're not the same person we were before. Because if all, it is, if all Lent has been is some cool facts about the Mass, a little time of quiet and getting away from the kids, a book, then it would make sense that all the resurrection is about is an empty hole and nothing else. On Holy Thursday, the last three days, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter, now Easter, 
I think the, the, the retreat, the beauty of the retreat and coming to know God better and to worship God better and to let him impact our life more. Um, the, 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 I used a quote that I'm going to read for us. If you've heard this before, if you've been here before, um, just bear with me. There was, a, there was a Jesuit priest that was asked, Father, can you offer us something practical? I think every one of us would like to know something practical about our faith. He had given a talk about the love of God, and then he said, can you offer something practical to us? And his response was, nothing is more practical than finding God. That is, falling in love in a quite absolute and final way. What you are in love with, what seizes your imagination, will affect everything. It will decide what gets you out of bed in the mornings, what you do with your evenings, how you spend your weekends, what you read, who you know. What breaks your heart and what amazes you with joy and gratitude. And he summed it up beautifully. Fall in love. Stay in love. And it will decide everything. I think with the way that Lent kind of progressed for us as a parish these last few weeks, these last month or so, that every one of us that opened our hearts to God, felt, felt the love of God. We fell in love with God. And on Holy Thursday, it came to a culmination where we were able to, to really enter in in a beautiful and powerful way of being with Jesus in the Eucharist and then spending time with Him in prayer afterwards. But, as I once said, as once was said, and I once heard recently in a very, very beautiful reflection, that love has to develop. That we can't just stay in a puppy love's phase. That we've got to grow. There's these different phases of love that we experience in a relationship. But the most mature phase of all is the crucifixion phase. A love that's willing to suffer on behalf of another. Love matures, love purifies in the crucible of suffering. And that's how we got to Good Friday. That yes, we can fall in love. Anybody can fall in love. But it takes a saint to stay in love. And have a love that looks like that. <laughs> looks like him. But now, today we're at the decision point. That will that love be taken with us, grow to full maturity, and actually guide us, actually have an effect, actually change who we are in the world. Last night when we had the Easter vigil, the beginning of the Mass, the way we started, is that the church is completely pitch black. It's after dark. The church is completely pitch black. And the, we have outside in front of the church, you might have saw it, a little fire pit, and we bless the fire, and then we bless the candle, and we light the candle, and we bring the candle in. And as we bring the candle in, it's meant to represent Christ, the light of Christ, coming into the darkness of the world. If you look around, you don't have to look very far, just like open Facebook, right? We'll, we'll see very, very quickly the darkness of the world. It's waiting. But from that candle, everybody lights a little candle in their pew and is holding a little candle. And all of a sudden now the church, for which was dark and pitch black and hopeless and a void, all of a sudden you can see. All of a sudden, it's filled with the glow of the light of Christ, the presence of God. 
now being held by each one of us. You and I, by virtue of our baptism, carry that light into a dark world. But if we do nothing with it, if, it, if, we, don't, if we don't actually show it, then it's useless. But our relationship with God compels us out. Pope Benedict once said that being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea. Being Christian is not just a list of rules of thou shalt nots. Being Christian, a lofty idea, is not just, okay, I don't kill anybody and I'm a good person. Like this abstract idea of a good person that's supposed to be a get out of jail free card or get into heaven for free card that doesn't mean anything and just like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of good for the most part. Being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice, of a list of rules, or a lofty idea. But being Christian is the result of an encounter with a person that gives life a, dec a decisive direction. That direction for us is out. That direction for us is to come to the Lord to receive him, to be changed by him, and then to be released back out onto the world. And as I said, when we live our baptismal promises, when we live the promises that were made on our behalf for many of us, and when we renew them today, the gates of hell shake at a church that is on the offensive. And it's not just sitting back playing defense. Today as we depart this Mass, as we come and we celebrate and we, and we enjoy our, our candy and we enjoy all of our good things and we enjoy the, the, the Easter egg hunts and the pictures and all that kind of good stuff, I ask that you don't let the experience of God from this Mass or from the last few weeks of Lent just fall into being another distant memory. But may the graces of today, may the graces of the empty tomb send us out. That we can go forth. And that we can share the good news of today. That Jesus Christ is risen. Our love for God is not meant just for us. It's meant to compel us out and to decide everything about our life. God bless you and your family this Easter season. Amen.